Hello, and welcome back to That Park Life Podcast. I am Greg, joined as always by... The Beth. The Beth the McDonald. Beth. I don't know. I'm trying something better than Beth. It didn't really work out. What were you giggling at a second ago? You're like laughing at yourself. I was giggling because I went to clear my throat and I thought I wasn't on mute because I have done that in the past because I'm not a professional. And yeah. then I was like, no, wait, I am on mute. So uh, I was You're saved. Totally no one had to hear me clear my throat. Man. Well, it's been quite a week. The 50th happened. Lots of things happened. We have things to chat about. I mean, we're, yes. record- we're recording this on the day of the 50th, and we have lots to ch- chat about. So you're just not hearing it until Tuesday. <laughs> yes, so many things happening. Obviously, Disney's been making lots of announcements. We have two new fireworks shows. Mm-hmm. Greg got to eat at the grand opening of a, a restaurant this morning. I want to yeah. talk about that. I promise not to talk in the third person ever again. I don't know why I did that. So sorry. <laughs> um, and we have an exciting interview coming up, learning all about what it's like having a service animal in Disney, because why not combine two of life's greatest things, yes. dogs and Disney? Because I love her dogs. <laughs> <laughs> we should have started with that, opening with a clip of <laughs> dog show. <laughs> Some of my coworkers have never seen that, and I pulled up the clip, and I'm like, how have you guys never seen these gems before? There was many episodes, Mr. Bojangles and Rocky Balboa, come on. Yes, so many. If you don't know what um, I'm talking about, you need to go to YouTube, and you need to look up SNL dog show it's uh, molly shannon and will ferrell and you're welcome that's all i'm gonna say okay (laughs) (laughs) so um i've been a busy boy doing some 50th stuff and we've both been watching things on youtube so Mm -hmm. where would you like to start watching harmonious all the things on youtube okay so yeah we so they did like uh specials there's like a 40 minute 50th anniversary special that they did um it's, I think it's a great overview. They're kind of like overviewed everything that's happening, right? Things that are upcoming. Yes. Um, news Nugget, they did say. I know Zach Ridley had put this on his Instagram, but um, I'll just throw in the little News Nugget here that Guardians of the Galaxy will be open in 2022. So I thought that was a really good um, overview. Like I sent it to my family. I'm like, hey, if you want to know what's going on for the 50th, because yes. there's so much going on, this is a great kind of overview of all of that. So I thought that was good. And you guys watched that, right? Yes. Yeah. And we didn't know it was a thing until we were on YouTube, like flipping around. I was like, oh, what a 40 minute special. We yeah, got to watch they, this. They kind of just like dropped it in the middle of the day. It was like, oh, yeah, yes. P.S. We got this going on. And I was watch. I was looking at it um, because, I, you know, obviously I'm not there. So I'm watching Harmonious online. And then I was waiting for um, the enchantment, which I'm going to call it enchanted a million times, probably. So I'm just going to go ahead and apologize for that now. Um, that was going to be on. So I just kept going back and forth on their YouTube page just to see what they had uploaded. Cause they had done some other things. Um, I was talking on the Pat chat. It's just been a weepy week for me. So everything has just been making me cry, but, um, yeah, let's talk about harmonious. You were okay. there live. I watched online and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. I am, I'm struggling with my review of harmonious. Because, as you know, having listened to this podcast now for 144 other episodes, I am usually not critical of things. Um, I like to think that people should form their own opinions specifically about fireworks shows, because if it means something to you, that's awesome. I want it to mean something to you. And for me, as a consumer, when I hear someone say something negative about something before I see it, I go in expecting negative, right? Mm-hmm. So my struggle here is that I, I really didn't enjoy it. And I know so many people who saw it, including you, who were texting me during mm-hmm. it, being like, oh, that like just watch the video of it, and it looked awesome. Yeah. And someone else I know who was there in person, you know, we were obviously, we were across the park, but we were staying in touch, and he thought it was, he was like, this was so sick. 
And then I thought like, okay, am I in a bad mood? Was I being grumpy that day? Maybe Granted, a bad I did work spot. the whole day and it was hot. <laughs> and my struggle is that in the previous fireworks shows there, whether or not you liked Epcot forever, the theme was very present. It was Epcot. It was mostly Epcot music, if not entirely Epcot music, mm-hmm. kind of old school Epcot music. And obviously Illuminations, uh, the nation's part of Illuminations was about connecting the worlds and they would highlight, literally highlight the countries around the world. And I didn't find that theme in this show. And they do have a little bit of like speech in the beginning and the end that talk mm-hmm. about hope. And it's those are all good messages and I don't yeah. want to take away from that. But everything else in the middle didn't, um, didn't come together. Didn't, didn't feel you. cohesive to me. It just felt like a couple of um, clips of songs that each had their own individual crescendo, so to speak, like this big buildup, mm-hmm. then like a big like firework flare to go off, and then just a new song started. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah, that, so that was I, my I issue. Can agree. I can agree with that. Here's what I liked about it. I was like, okay, it's new, new technology. They have new stuff that they're using. They're using water. They're using lights. They're using fireworks. I liked the cohesiveness of like, we're bringing all of these cultures together. We're using yep. Disney songs because we love Disney songs. They're using Disney songs, but they're using, I loved that it was like, you would maybe hear it begin in English or you might begin, like you might hear it in another language to start with. And then it switches languages in the middle. So I love, because I'm like, this is Epcot. Like Epcot's supposed to be about all of the world and all of the culture coming together. Um, and so I loved that it was in all the different languages. Now watching it online it was cool because one, I had like my AirPods in so I could hear like everything that was going on. The music sounded really cool. Cause they're like piping mm-hmm. it straight into your, your ears. Yeah. So it's that's going into your brain. Yeah. So directly. that's different yeah. than like standing where you're just hearing it from speakers all around you. Like it was straight up in my ears. So I thought that was good. And plus I'm also getting all the angles where you're only getting what angle you're looking at. So seeing it from all the different angles, um, I was telling the I was talking to the mouselets this morning a little bit. I'm like, I recommend watching it online, even if you were there in person, because it's just different. Um, I know there's been a lot of negative, negative, like comments about it from people that were there. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's not great in person, but I thought it was great watching it online because I'm seeing everything that maybe your eye is not able to see and you're not really able to hear from maybe where you're standing. So I don't know what the perfect spot for that is going to be. Um, but I'm normally like, not like, I was kind of like, cool, it's going to be an Epcot thing, whatever. I was actually surprised that I was, (laughs) Greg was like, well, we're swapping because I'm like being the negative one. We're normally, I'm the negative one. Um, and he's like, normally loves that stuff. And I was like, I thought it was really good. I will say the ending was very stark. It was sort of like, uh, oh, that was it. Cause I think I even heard people saying like through what I'm, what I was listening, they were like, oh, I guess that's it. So it wasn't a definitive, like here's the finale. This is the very end of it that we're used to. Yes. And so then that little voice at the end, it was, it was just weird. Like that was kind of the weird part about it. Um, it felt like they put a bunch of music together. By the way, I would like to say that the music is awesome. The music's really good. The arrangements of the songs I thought were great. I love that they're going in and out of different languages. And I know I didn't mention that in the beginning, so I don't want to make it sound like I don't think that's cool. I do think that's cool. Mm -hmm. And I actually was watching a little bit around and you can kind of tell when they started to sing one of the Disney songs in the native language of the people around me because they would get a lot more animated. And yeah. I thought that was really yes. cool because I think that's the point. they were able to hear music in a language in that maybe language. was their first language. Yes. Yeah. That's what I loved about it was like anybody can go there and from any country and they're going to hear their native yes. language. Like, I mean, obviously not every language in the world, but 
you know what I'm saying? Like I just a need lot to of... know. I need to interview the person who decided that there shouldn't be a full frozen number. I don't understand this. Listen, I know you might be tired of let it go, and that's fine. Into the unknown, another crescendo. By the way, into the unknown in the movie Frozen Two. When um, Elsa's basically dancing around, it basically is her dancing to fireworks. How yeah, is that sequence not put into this? Okay, when well, Norway is a pavilion in Africa, you haven't seen Enchantment yet, but they did a, they did do Into the Unknown as like a big number in Enchant. Don't care Enchantment, but <laughs> dude, it's Epcot. Yeah, yeah. So I know, but I think that it was like we we can't really like that's not one of those like multiple culture type. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's a very like Neither Americanized like they pop sang. song. Yes, but be our guest. Like it, they. I don't know. It takes place in France, and they could do it in like French, and it sounds really cool. And I don't know. I don't know I'm why they did. Yeah, I understand it. I it's think they just, were just trying they, to be like, hey, we do have other things now. I want to talk about Lion King, which came out. I know. Th- and Jungle Book, which came, they played the Jungle Book. You tell me that Jungle Book fits in better <laughs> than Frozen, okay? I want to hear well, you. Well, okay. Me that. So here's the thing. So Enchantment, I did not like. I okay. I think I maybe even cried just because I was like, they did this <laughs> for Happily Ever After, because um, I did go back and watch Happily Ever After 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 that. So okay. Enchantment is more after watching it with my best friend and Doug separately we were kind of like they took the exact same formula of, of, of happily ever after because they i think they realized that that worked okay they took the exact same formula and they tried to do something different with it and i don't think they pulled it off one okay. we the thing about happily ever after i think is like we love hearing the songs of the movies like that's our yes. well this one didn't have as many and it seems like it was more of like an inclusion show okay if that makes sense like it was more of a diversity inclusion show um it was less about i guess i don't know it just was different in that sense um because like for instance moana there's three songs from moana in the show it was like okay well we don't need three songs from moana like there are plenty of other songs the projections were better the projections are better but the music there was the fireworks it literally just looked like they were shooting off fireworks the entire time just to be shooting off fireworks. Okay. There was one part in the show that it was like, okay, they did that because it looks like Elsa's throwing things in the sky and there's a firework. That's the only time it looked like they actually had a reason for the fireworks. Whereas we know, and happily ever after, there's a million, of them, there's a basically. million of them and they're shaped in different ways. Be- I mean, they yes. had one that was shaped in the Moana symbol, like, and they had bells they have bells, like, you know, and then they have flowers, like, for, I mean, so many different things. When you're things standing that, in, in front of the castle, when the Brave song starts, and an yes, arrow gets and shot into the a arrow. bullseye, and a yes. firework. Yes. Yes. I mean, and it was like, seriously? So, to me, it just looked very, like, why are we shooting off fireworks? It looks like you're literally just shooting stuff off just to shoot it off. You know, no, not a lot of, like, pyro, like they did before either. You know how they, in the, they do the pyro in, like, yeah. the, um the villain part, <clears throat> excuse me, yes. with Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff like that. None of that. I don't think they did the lasers. Like they didn't use um, the light lasers that come out that used to come out, oh, like and kind yeah, of make yeah. it look like water and the Nemo part and all that stuff. Like they're not really using those this time because there's more like projections. So the projections are cooler. Obviously they're newer. Yeah. Um, they're newer projections. And there was a couple of good feeds that we found on YouTube um, that looked really good and bright. So you could see them all better. But overall, it was like the song's not that great. 
Um, Tinkerbell still flies, obviously, because that's yeah, just like said, a staple. They, that. they did announce yeah. that, so it's not a spoiler. But the part where the where she flies is like there was no excitement there. I don't know. And then the other part was everyone who was obviously on the ground. So the park's not open. These are people that were, I guess, invited yeah. to watch for the first time was not a lot of excitement, you know, <laughs> no. and that was part of it. I think that was part of the thing when happily ever after debuted. Cause there were so many people there and everyone was excited and everyone's cheering and laughing and clapping. And <gasps> like, you could hear the gasp when things happen. And there was none of that in this. Cause there's not that many people there, but even then it was like, <laughs> like you could hear people kind of clapping and at the end like there wasn't a lot of screaming or cheering it was just sort of like cool that was cool um but yeah and i don't know maybe if i saw it in person i might think differently but in my opinion it just was a different show for a different reason and it just wasn't the same one piece of audio that i did take away from the stream from disney enchantment because i watched the beginning of it to mm-hmm. see the dedication ceremony and the bobs came out on stage and as usual, Bob Iger had a few nice things to say and bringing up some conversation about Walt. And I wanted to make sure we all heard that. So I brought a little clip of uh, that conversation that Bob Iger had with Bob Chapek on the stage leading up to the debut of Disney Enchantment. Walt Disney was a man of extraordinary vision. And while he had many bold ideas and great accomplishments, one of his boldest ideas and biggest accomplishments was buying the land that we are standing on tonight. More than 27,000 acres and having the ambition and the vision to create something as grand and as innovative as Walt Disney World. And I know from walking through this park countless times over the years, watching it evolve, seeing smiles on people's faces, hearing their laughter and feeling their excitement that Walt Disney World really is what Walt and Roy hoped it would be, and much, much more. And much, much more. I did, that did excite me when I heard that, because I was like, and we talked about all the names that they purchased the land under in last week's yes. episode, so it made me excited. <laughs> uh, super good. Before we get to the interview with Chloe and uh, talking all things service animal, I do want to talk about my dining experience yes, today at tell me. Disney's Contemporary Resort Hotel at the brand new Steakhouse 71. So this is the restaurant that replaced The Wave, Mm -hmm. which previously served breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Same thing here at Steakhouse 71. We did have a breakfast reservation for 9.30 a.m. By the time we wound up eating, I would say it was about 11.25, give or take. Um, It was a busy, guys, busy day, as you might imagine. So we went on opening day of the restaurant, which was, you know, the 50th anniversary Mm -hmm. day, blah, 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 blah. So the, the line to get into the contemporary was so backed up, Man. and which was fine. And um, can I tell you, it was at the point where they were turning guests away who even had a dining reservation. Now, incidentally, my mom was staying there, and my name mm. was on her reservation, so I was, I was able to get in. I had a dining reservation anyway, but um, we were going to meet someone else there, and they turned her away because by that she was a couple minutes behind. By the time she got to the security kiosk, the parking lot was full. And uh, they told her to go to the TTC and take the monorail over. She, it would have been an hour before she got there. She Yikes. turned she turned away and went home after waiting 30 minutes in the security line. Ugh. It is what it is, right? We did run into the Magic Dads. So I got to meet them in person yeah. finally, okay. finally. Steve and Mike and little Caleb who didn't walk into a wall. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. I, as you know, very excited about the avocado toast. Mm-hmm. Super excited to have on the menu. 
we are sitting down talking to the server who's giving us a little history lesson on the resort, which was cool, on the restaurant, mm-hmm. about how it ties into the opening day of the resort. Some of Walt's favorites are on the breakfast menu, but more of them are on the lunch and dinner menu. And she's like, you guys have been here before, right? I'm like, yeah, we were here for the wave. Big fan of the avocado toast. And I was like, can I make sure I get my eggs scrambled on the avocado toast? Because I know, like, in the past, I think it's eggs Benedict version yeah. of it. I don't like runny. Yeah. And she says, there, are, there aren't any eggs on the avocado toast. I was like, what? what? So I look at the menu, and sure enough, it doesn't say eggs anymore. It's like, forget it. I'll just get an omelet. So I got the Western omelet. By the way, excellent. Yeah, the so food, good. it looked good. What, the, um, it was saw, so what good. What you put on and Instagram, I was like, oh. It came, yeah, it came with a little biscuit. So I got that. Mm-hmm. Nicole got the Steakhouse 71 Feast, which is truly a feast, <laughs> of course by she the did. way. $20, okay? But for $20, it's a lot for a breakfast, Oh, well, that's good, yeah. Yes. So she got, the feast includes eggs Benedict on mm-hmm. a slice of toast. So it's like the eggs, the ham, toast, that like sauce yeah. on top, the salt and pepper. Aside, aside from that, scrambled eggs, sausage, a Mickey waffle, bacon cheddar grits, potatoes, fresh fruit, and also a side of bacon. I mean, and you she might... ate literally the entire dish. <laughs> sounds All about of right. It. Yes. I mean, that sounds like you actually get it's like a buffet, right? You're going to pay that. If you pay like 20 bucks for a buffet, you're going to eat like a bunch. It sounds like that's yeah. like a good amount of food for that. So mm. yes, she, uh, and this is a redemption trip for her because previously we went to the wave and she got um, the Mickey waffles, which were supposed to come with the fresh strawberry compote and they were out of the compote, but they didn't mention it until they brought her food out. And instead of a strawberry compote, it was just cut up strawberries She's like, in a mm. little bowl next to plain waffles. No. Which is fine if you're at a quick service, but they were $15, right? right? Like, you need to make it more than something I can pop in a toaster. Yeah. So this time around, she had a much better experience. We're, we're planning on coming back. And the food was good? Like, everything day. tasted good? Nothing was everything bland? Everything was delicious. Good. Everything. Even, can you remember my, one of my challenges or one of my frustrations with Liberty Tree Tavern was even their bread and butter? Because their bread right. was plain and their butter was plain. Right. This was a nice, fresh, whipped, salty butter. Like, mm. you can actually taste, you know, I love a good everything, salty like, butter. everything A to Z <laughs> was delicious good. in this meal. And Nicole got her 100% maple syrup. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, she brought her own on the side in case they didn't have it. <laughs> and I will say the lobby refurbishment of the Contemporary is amazing. As you know, this is, like, my jam. This mm-hmm. is my area. This yep. is my, my home girl of a resort. Yep. And... It's beautiful. So much artwork. I posted it to our story the day we went. And beautiful. Just so much stuff. A lot of Mary Blair stuff around because, mm-hmm. as you know, she yep. um, did the artwork up on the Grand Concourse Station, you know, the big mural mm-hmm. up there. And it's just, it was so much cool, so many cool things to look at in the lobby and really everywhere else on that main floor. Amazing. So now to our interview with Chloe and to pull back the curtain a little bit, mm-hmm. um, we did record this about a week or so ago. And at the time, unfortunately, Beth was not available through a series of different scheduling conflicts. We had to reschedule a few times among yeah. all of us. So uh, the only time that we were able to, to lock it down was happened to be a time when Beth was not available. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear this interview. It's just me and Chloe talking about her pup, Alice, and what it's like to have a service animal in the park. And I learned a lot during it, so I'm excited for you all to hear it. So I know, Beth, you were super excited at the idea of talking to someone about this. I mean, I probably was, like, super excited thinking that I'm going to be able to, like, talk to the dog, too. But, you know, it was really just her, so I'm okay with that. (laughs) But this was a subject that I am super excited to learn more about. So I'm learning with you guys. Let's let's go on a journey. All right. So here's my conversation with Chloe. I think one of the best combinations in life 
possibly, other than peanut butter and chocolate, could be dogs and Disney. And that's what led us to this conversation today. So I'm joined by Chloe. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yes. So I stumbled across your account one day and I was like, you know what? I've just always been interested in what it's like to bring a service dog to Disney. And I understand the need for it. And I think it's so cool that Disney is cool with it, right? If, if I feel like they make it easy, but I'm hoping to hear from you too about what that process is like. But a couple of quick questions uh, to start here because I have a whole list. Not of to course. overwhelm you, but I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you about this kind of thing because I've seen so many service animals around Disney and I'm just yeah. like, what's, what's that like? So how was it like in the beginning for you? In other words, like how does Disney handle service dogs? What do you have to do before you plan a trip there? Yeah, there's a few parts. Um, going to Disney with a service dog is considered one of the most stressful environments you can actually bring a service dog into. If you think of all the stimuli, you have kids, you have yelling, you have screaming, you have just everything going on in the park, as well mm-hmm. as a lot of children and families that, that don't know how to behave around a service animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first time I ever brought Alice to the park, we went to uh, Magic Kingdom and we went to Epcot. Uh, it's a Small World was the first ride she's ever been on. Really? Yes. Okay. So yeah, it takes a lot of preparation. Um, so, you know, Alice had been in airports before and malls and high stress environments, but you know, Disney is its own beast in an essence. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, we planned on just a small trip, um, and she did great. You know, some of the things you were worried about was some of the, the sounds of just like the roller coasters and depending on where you're at in the park, um, you have a lot of loud noises. Um, and so going through Magic Kingdom, it, it wasn't too difficult. I think the hardest part was actually um, dealing with sometimes just people who are uneducated how to interact mm-hmm. with um, service animals. Um, so, you know, you have a lot of kids who just go up and want to instantly pet the dog and want to run up. And so, some people like to grab the tail or whatever it is. Oh, no. and, um, some kids are very amused with bubble wands and service animals. So, you know, that was definitely an interesting experience. But from a preparation side, there's also things of like the gear that you bring with the dog. So the pavement gets very hot in Florida. Yeah. As you know, it's very hot. Um, so booties and water bowls and treats are all things that you need. Um, I think usually half my backpack is comprised of gear just from <laughs> Alice at any time. <laughs> and, you know, you already bring so much stuff to Disney. Um, and so the preparation was also interesting as well as what goes into the planning of what rides you do first and how do you do it. Um, because if you think about it, most animals have never been on some type of moving platform before or mm-hmm. confined space like that. They might be used to the moving sensation as they've been in a car before. Yeah. Um, but it's very different being in a car where you can spread out and you see the people you're around compared to laying on a floor in something that's moving that you've never been a part of before. Um, so that was definitely an interesting experience. But it was a very, very positive one. I went with my best friend and Alice came along. And so we hit some rides at Epcot. We did Small World. Um, so overall it went pretty well. I was really excited with how it, how it went. Um, and you know, Disney, um, falls under the ADA. So there's a couple questions they can ask to filter out pets from service animals from entering the park. But for the most part, yeah. um, we've had very positive experiences with cast members, um, as well as, you know, when you ride a ride like small world or pirates, you really want that first row of the boat as you think of it, it bows out. So it provides yeah. more room for an animal to lay out. So they're usually pretty well versed of what row do you want and how do you want to sit as well, which makes your life easier, especially oh, yeah. if you've never done it before. Because sitting in, you know, the third, fourth row, which is long and fairly narrow compared to the first row, if you've never done it before, you might not think that part through. Um, yeah. So they're pretty accommodating and made that process fairly easy for us. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. And I just think it's so fascinating, the idea that there's a dog on It's a Small World or parts of the Caribbean. So 
I don't even know if this is a weird question or not. Do you get the sense that your dog is enjoying herself on these attractions? Like, do you think Alice has a favorite ride in Disney World? Yeah, I actually get that question a lot. Um, I kind of goes back and forth, but yes, I would say she's definitely, uh, definitely enjoys it. Um, you know, it's pretty easy. You work with a service dog so much and you go through so much training. Usually it's pretty easy to recognize when your dog is stressed and scared and very uncomfortable compared to when they're relaxed and enjoying themselves for the most part for it's a small world and pirates and the boat rides like that. She honestly just lays on the floor and sleeps. And then you (laughs) you don't necessarily have to like wake her up when it stops, but she just has a time for her to lay down and kind of nap. Um, Dumbo is definitely a favorite ride of hers. Really? Well, she'll stand up and kind of treat it like a car ride where she's sticking her head out of Dumbo like outside <laughs> of a window and thoroughly enjoys herself. Um, so I think it's interesting too of, you know, I of course enjoy going to Disney. I think yeah. she enjoys it too. And, you know, I think everyone talks about the sense, especially walking down Main Street and dogs recognize that too. Um, so she gets a little extra pep in her step. You can see her tail wagging, um, but she gets equally excited as well. And of course, going to an environment like Disney, there's a lot of treats associated with that. So it's also a high reward environment for Alice too, which is oh, really yeah. exciting to see. Yeah. And I know she's there to provide a service, mm-hmm. right? Because she is a service animal. But I do like the idea that she gets to maybe enjoy herself a little yes. bit, right? Because it's it's work, right? If you think in terms Very of much. humans... Right. When you're at work, it's also fun to enjoy yourself, find a way to, to have a good time. So I'm glad to hear that Alice seems to be enjoying it. And I can only imagine what an interesting perspective, right? Because I think one of the benefits to me going to the parks with, let's say, someone new is you kind of get to see it through their eyes and kind of like changes your perspective on the yeah. parks. So the idea that Alice is on Dumbo riding around with her head out like it's a car window to me, like just makes me want to go ride Dumbo because it sounds like mm-hmm. it's such a fun time. Um, there has to be some attractions, though, that Alice can't go on, yeah. right? Like I'm, I mean, obviously things like Tower of Terror and stuff, that, of those course. are more obvious. But the less like thrill rides and stuff, are are there some attractions that you were trying to go on that it's just it's just not possible to do with a service animal the size of Alice? Yeah, so Alice is a seventy pound golden retriever. Um, she she weighs more than she looks. Um, okay. yeah, she's a decently sized dog. Um, so there are some rules that Disney has of what service animals can and cannot ride on, and then there's a couple that are up to your own judgment. Okay. Um, so anything that has a height requirement, um, so your Tower of Terrors, your Space Mountains, your Rock and Roller Coasters, your Splash Mountains, um, service animals can't ride on those. So they provide a kennel. Sometimes you see the kennels when you're exiting off yes. the ride. Um, and sometimes they're off in a separate space. For instance, um, Splash Mount, or sorry, Space Mountain is actually near the exits. When you go to exit the ride, usually you would turn left or right and you go up a ramp. But on mm-hmm. your opposite side, there's an exit door that goes outside for cast members. And to the left of that, there's actually a crate that kind of sits behind a wall that's a little hidden. That's where service animals go. And then a cast member stays with them while you're on the ride. Um, So, you know, it's interesting there, too, because the dog also gets a great experience of being right up next to the roller coaster or that ride, um, but they don't actually go on it. And then some rides, the only exception to the height requirement is Peter Pan, actually. So out in uh, uh, Disneyland, out in California, they can actually ride it, but they can't here in Disney World. And there's a few ideas as to why and why they can't. Um, But, yep, they can't ride it here. And then everything else they can ride. They advise some extra caution with rides like Pirates of the Caribbean or Frozen, especially Frozen as you have the the drop. Yeah, Yeah. you have a little bit of the drop towards the middle to end of the ride. And, you know, Alice doesn't have any fear of that, and she does great around it. So I have no fear of bringing her on the ride. Um, But for those, you could do Rider Swap if you needed. So they don't have a crate for rides that an animal can go on. They just advise extra caution for those rides. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the kennels because um, 
the first one I've ever seen was at Tower of Terror. I happen to be backstage at Tower of Terror, but if you're in, I'm assuming it hasn't moved since then, but if you're looking at the TV screens where you would see like your the ride photo, there are a set of doors right there to the right, and if you go yes. through it, there's a little hallway where the cast members are clocking in and out, right? Um, there was a, a kennel in there, and then this was a couple of years ago. I was like, why is there a kennel? And then it just never like dawned on me mm. that that um, you know guests are bringing service animals. I never really thought about it. And then now every time I come off of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, we always see the yes. crate there because it's like it's within sight of the exit. So now now that I've seen it on a few attractions, I'm always like trying to like see if I can see a dog in there, if I can like say hello. I know we're not supposed to. I know there are like rules and how we mm-hmm. are supposed to interact. And in the beginning of this conversation, you were mentioning how there are some kids who sometimes have um, a challenge when it comes yeah. to interacting with, with service animals. And I have to remind myself as an adult that this is a service animal we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you deal with that in the park? And then what are some recommendations you can make for us as guests that, who are around a service animal to make sure we're behaving properly for your service animal? Yeah, and I, I think it's tough, too. I think the first few times, it really frustrated me in essence. And I, and I think you forget, too, if I was thinking back in my own life of how long it was till I saw a service animal working as well. And depending on where you are in the community you're in, you might be very exposed. You might not be exposed at all until you go to Disney World. And that includes adults. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things is you're not supposed to distract a service animal. And I think people think that is just limited to petting a service animal. When I think Mm. people forget that includes uh, making kissy noises um, and trying to distract and get the attention of. Um, So I think that's one thing that people forget is that distracting is more encompassing than just not petting an animal. Yes. As well as for kids, I think it's difficult because, you know, you have a vest on a dog and I have a leash up that says don't pet, don't distract. Some kids can't read that. Some children also don't realize what's going on. It's Disney. It's a mm-hmm. high stimuli environment. And their mind is blown that there's a dog in the park. Yeah. Um, so you have to recognize that mentality of it, too. And, so, you know, I, I think it, um, for the most part, when you, you know, remind a child or you say to please not pet the dog or it's working, usually they're pretty receptive to it. Um, sometimes people are not, and sometimes parents okay. are not either, and that's something you just have to work through. Um, it's much easier when you're out in, a, like, a the park itself or in a gift shop compared to in line for a ride where you're kind of mm. in a confined space. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's kind of a walk and leave away situation depending on what it looks like. Um, but I think for the most part, it's a combination of one, uh, like some people have questions and that's great. And sometimes I'm ready to answer a question that people have. And sometimes I'm like, I just want to be, you know, a person that kind of blends in or I just want to go on a yes. ride or I'm not feeling well. So it kind of depends on the day and being respectful of that. And then I, I think also recognizing um, that I don't think people realize too of, you know, when we say don't pet a service dog, it's so you don't distract them. But I think many people also forget that, um, especially for medical alert type dogs like Alice, so if you were to pet Alice, Alice would be associating with you and smelling you. She wouldn't be paying attention and smelling me as much. So that mm. makes it much more difficult for her to do her job. And I think yes. some people forget about the essence of how that interferes with the tasks they are trained to perform as well, rather than they're in a different mindset when they're working compared to when they're at home and getting to be the regular dog and golden retriever that you typically think of. Yeah. So when you say, and pardon my ignorance on this subject, because yeah. I'm, I'm learning and I'm glad that I'm able to of learn course. from someone like you who seems to be knowledgeable on this. Um, what is the main function of a medical alert service animal then? Yeah, so there's a wide, wide breadth of medical alert service animals. Um, I think traditionally, or most commonly, many people think of seizure alert dogs. You have diabetic alert dogs. Um, Alice is more of a cardiac alert dog. Um, so I have a heart kit. Well, it's a neurological and genetic condition to where I pass out okay. very frequently. 
So for most people, when you stand up, your heart rate increases like 10, 15, maybe 20 beats a minute. Mine will go 30, 40, 50 just by standing up or standing too long. At the same time, my blood pressure drops to the floor, which causes me to faint frequently. Um, and, and as it sounds, it sounds like that's pretty easy like to recognize as a person of, you know, you're feeling lightheaded, but usually it comes on so suddenly that I don't recognize it and then I pass out, which is part of the reason I needed one, um, mm -hmm. as there's no medications that were working for me at the time. So someone like Alice or a dog like Alice can tell before that happens and let somebody know. Um, it's a combination of, of, of scent and a couple other factors that go into that. So that's really why it's super important when you're in a park and in a busy environment, especially in your environment for me where you're standing so long, that Alice is focused on me. And, you know, of course, there's going to be other scents at hand, but it's different when you smell things in the air compared to going up and saying hello to someone. And mm -hmm. really, you know, dogs are very smart and they know the sense of people. So they're um, not as uh, focused as they would be if they're just in the park alone smelling what's in the air compared to meeting a new person. Yeah, I think that's fascinating and almost unbelievable, the idea that a dog can yeah. pick up on your dropped blood pressure and increased heart rate, right? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that's that's almost like that's out of a science fiction movie. So, so yeah, when we're out there in the parks, let's do what we can to make sure we're not distracting our service animals like Alice because they're, they're there. They're unfortunately looking very cute, and that's probably why we're we're always trying to go say hello. <laughs> Many of them have their own ears, and they have the boots I was and the ass, and you know, yes. they, they look the part. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I've seen obviously on your Instagram um, there are some photos of uh, Alice out there with her Mickey ears on, and it's cute, and it's so tempting, right? When we when we see the the service animals out there with the Mickey ears on, but I think it's I think it's cool you're able to get photos, you know, with uh, the service animals animals with uh, the ears on. Um, that said, so you mentioned like taking Alice on Pirates of the Caribbean, for example, yeah. that's a, that's a photo pass attraction. So you're getting photos of you on the ride with Alice, which is awesome, right? I'm imagining you have like a small collection of these. Yeah, I do have some. It's also interesting too, of, um, you know, it's inter each service animal has its own way of riding the ride and I have a very, very good friend who also has a service animal for the same reason. And her dog is perched up the entire time and just rests its head on like the front bar and is ready to see the sights. And Alice is like, yeah. I'm ready to take a little nap. So it's <laughs> like some of them, I have some really cute photos and some of them you, you don't even know because she's just laying oh, on the yeah. floor minding her own business. <laughs> so it's interesting too to see, you know, the difference of um, for Disney, the rule is just the service animal has to remain on the floor at all times. Okay. That could be sitting, that could be laying down. Um, for some rides though, like the runaway railway, the, the dogs can still go on and, um, Toy Story mania, but it's very difficult on the dog. If you think about the jerky, um, sensations oh, yeah. and how the, how, um, like the seat sits that it's possible yes. for them to lay down. But for the most part, yeah, they just have to be sit or laying down. So some of them, I have great photos and some of them I'm like, Alice is taking a power nap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that sounds like how it is for pets who aren't service animals. We have some great photos of our dog Reba yes. and then a bunch of them. She's a blur because we can't get her to even sit still to try to take a photo. So Very much so. Um, yeah, I've noticed some spots around the parks that appear to be like a pet relief area. Mm -hmm. So I assume that you're able to use those for Alice. But mm -hmm. it's one of those things where if you don't know that they exist, as like a, let's say just a guest walking around without a service animal, um, you probably just don't even think about it. But there are a few like it's you can describe it better than I can. But by looking at it, it looks like just like a turf of some kind. Yeah. Is that actually real grass or like what's that situation like? I've seen it. I think I've only seen them in Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom, but obviously they've got to be in all four parks. Yeah. So 
um, a year and a half, two years ago, about, um, most of them were actually like real grass, some of them were turf. Um, and then recently more than last year or so all have been converted to AstroTurf, which is also interesting if your dog has never been on AstroTurf before because they don't think that's real grass. Um, but yeah, for the most part, people don't recognize they are service animal relief areas, which in a way I think is great. They kind of blend in with the park. Yeah. And then sometimes, too, you have these interesting situations. So there's one, I don't know if you've seen it. So if you're leaving Splash Mountain and you're coming toward Pirates of the Caribbean, right before you have that bathroom, that alleyway to where you go to the bathroom for pirates, yes. there's one right there on the corner. And so what oh, usually yes. happens is that there's a bench right there and there's a place to sit as, you know, there's a bathroom just down the way. So people stand in front of it and sit right there, not realizing also that's a service animal relief area. So part of you is like, you know, you just educate the guests, ask them to move, you tell them why. And usually they're, they're super nice. And then sometimes I'm also like, animals do their business there as well. You're, you're yeah. surprised and people don't recognize the giant, you know, the sign that's right there as well. But it is what it is. But yes, there's relief areas throughout all of Magic Kingdom. I think Magic Kingdom has the, the best out of the service area relief areas because there's one in each land. Um, so okay. they're pretty easy to get to, as well as Disney changed their rules a little bit ago to where they can actually go on any grassy spot that's not like a true landscaped flowery area, as okay. long as you pick up after your animal, which I think is completely fair. As yeah. Some parks like uh, Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios, it's much more difficult to find an area, um, and they're farther and few between. So that's been interesting, but you, you learn where they are pretty quickly. I know Alice has her favorites and some like the one by pirates are set up just for the animal to do their business. Whereas some, there's a really nice one actually over in Fantasyland, over by Dumbo. So you pass Dumbo, you pass the restrooms on your left hand side, right before the train station, there's actually like a small run for the animal. So it's nice uh-huh. too, because you know, Alice gets all this built up energy. She gets so excited. Yeah. It's nice. She can take care of herself and then she can also run around for a few minutes too and be a dog and, you know, recollect herself before she has to start yeah. working again too. So yeah. Depending on where you're at in the park, there's a wide variety of what those look like. Good. Okay. I'm glad to hear it. Cause obviously they need their space too. They still need to feel like a dog. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they're able to do that. And you mentioned um, having to bring gear with you yeah. for, for Alice and booties for when it's hot mm-hmm. out. But there's got to be, it's got to be kind of rough on a service animal, as it is for humans when it's 95 degrees mm-hmm. out and 90% humidity or higher. Yeah. So how do you deal with the heat for Alice? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a question I get a lot as well. Um, I think the pavement is number one in their paws. As people become more aware of paws burn just like, people's feet can burn yeah. um so as far as the heat you know i try not to go in the middle of the afternoon so I'll go in the morning or in the evening when it is like middle of summer because to me that's brutal mm-hmm. also something that's heat intolerant that's not the best time to go to enjoy yeah. yourself <laughs> but yeah you sh- it's still going to be hot though in the evening or in the mornings looking at summer especially the august time um, so, you know, you take water breaks often, you have the booties on. They also have cooling jackets, which most people have not heard of before. Huh. So some people no, see not. this coat-like material or wear on a dog during the summer, and they, they think it's actually a jacket. But it's actually, uh, I'm not sure how to best describe the fabric, but it retains water really well where it's not stopping wet. So you yeah. actually soak it in ice water, so then you have a soaked ice water type blanket coat that you put on a dog and it actually helps keep them cool and you can put like bags of ice in there and it's really easy just to go up to a counter where they give out water and then you pour that and you soak that in the jacket and then you pour the pockets full of ice 
Um, so, you know, it's not the perfect solution, but it's a really great solution. And you can definitely tell a big difference when the dog is wearing it. Um, because if you think about it, they're just laying on a pack of ice or a really cool bed at that time. And then you change that out every half hour, 45 minutes to make sure they stay really cool. Yeah, I feel like I need that. Like, do they have that in a human size? Think of it as like a massive, oh, what do they call them? Like the cooling towels Disney sells? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think I've of it like those. a massive one of those, but it retains the coldness of the water much better and has pockets just for ice. That's cool. um so yeah you can put it on their neck you can put it on their belly Allie has like our alice has a full body one where it starts at her neck and it goes to her tail and it okay. wraps around just like a coat kind of wood it's much thinner than that yeah and it just retains yeah. really cold water to help the dog stay cool as well oh that's awesome yeah so my dog reba absolutely is terrified of thunder and lightning and she can Ooh. sense it right that's something we know when she yeah. starts to act a certain way and we know there's a storm on the way that's something that we know she's able to perceive uh-huh. before us and as you know, we have some tropical weather here in Central Florida. So what happens with Alice in the Park when there's some type of some type of stormy weather rolling through? Yeah. So I think you know, they say I think it's around two to three percent of all dogs have the temperament to be a service dog, and part of that is okay. the ability and the smartness of the dog to be trained to perform tasks, and part of that is also the natural um, like bravery the dog has as well because there's some things you can't train. And if a dog is easily scared, that's really hard to work through. So thankfully, Alice, um, thunderstorms and and rain and tropical storms, all those things don't bother Alice. I live in a residence hall, and even when the fire alarm goes off, sometimes I barely think it wakes her up. Oh, wow. Which is great, you know, really well for Disney, especially with the loud noises of attractions. Yeah. Um, But she also has a rain jacket. So every person is different, but in Alice's vest, she has like zipper pockets on the side. And I keep okay. um, documentation, not necessarily for Alice, but for me, if something were to happen, I went to the hospital, just medical documentation. And her vest isn't waterproof, so I also don't want that to get sopping wet too yeah. if something were to happen. <laughs> so Alice has a rain jacket that she wears, and being a furry golden retriever, wet dog smell is also not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as far as the weather goes, it doesn't really phase her. Um, and then she has the rain jacket as well that she wears. And as far as the rain goes itself, Alice loves being wet. It gives her a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Um, to where sometimes you have to give her a moment to get the energy out for her to focus it, and then she's good to go. Um, but yeah, thankfully, none of that really phases her. Um, so even on things like the land where you go through, and one of the first scenes that you go through on the attraction is the thunderstorm. Yeah. Or even on Pirates of the Caribbean, it, it doesn't phase her, thankfully, which is great, too. Because if you think about it, if a dog couldn't make it through a thunderstorm, how would they ever make it through happily ever after in the fireworks yes. as well? Yeah. Yeah. That is so true. If nothing else, I'm learning that um, Alice is a bit of an inspiration because when I get wet from the rain, I'm like, this is the worst. I'm going home. Meanwhile, Alice is there loving it. <laughs> ah, I'm not a huge fan. It is what it is. You live in Florida yeah. during hurricane season. But Alice is like, this is the life. Yeah. I bet you that as long as you've done them, I assume yeah. you've done some. But I imagine that Alice must have some interesting character meet and greet experiences. Now, post-pandemic, there haven't mm-hmm. really been any true character meet and greets. Yeah. There have been distance, but previous to the pandemic have you been able to take alice into Mm -hmm. like a traditional meet and greet and how were those how do those go for you i have it was interesting the first so the first time i ever went she saw who did she see she saw tiana and i can't think of who the other oh rapunzel tiana and rapunzel were the two princesses that she saw um and she was okay she wasn't like super into it super excited i don't think she would make of the big um Balkan style dress that Tiana wears. Okay. So not that she was scared of it. It was just how do you like meet a person? Because in that instance, 
Alice knows a command called say hi to where she gets to be a dog in essence and can say hi to people and lick them. And she doesn't jump or anything, but she can be a little bit more um, of a regular dog compared to a working dog. Yeah. Um, and so okay, went okay, just didn't really know what to do. It was really interesting now on one character meet and greet where we got to see Darth Vader in Chewbacca. Really? Wasn't a huge fan of Chewbacca, but was... <laughs> thoroughly fascinated with Darth Vader and I was slightly concerned for a moment <laughs> you know of like this is a little fascinating of who she would like to meet right now I'm slightly concerned but you know yes. be okay but yeah so she's had a few um she's not had too many but for the most part it doesn't phase her too much if the characters are walking through in the park it's okay like keep on going by seeing with parades of I I, I think I don't think she sees it as something to interact with, but something going yeah. by, which is great. Because sometimes that can be a very scary process for, you know, animals. And especially when they're in their costumes, like a Donald Duck or a Minnie, uh, Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse. So for the most part, she does okay. I know some dogs get very excited to meet a certain princess that they know. And Alice is like, okay, like, I'm here yeah. for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's had positive experiences. But I think her and myself are more attraction people than character meet and greet. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, honestly, uh, Alice being a little skeptical of Chewbacca makes sense because Chewbacca could be perceived as basically an upright dog, right? Yes. I mean, it's got fur. So totally, totally get that. Yeah. Maybe there's a competition going on. Yes, um, a dog. Yeah, so it sounds like, and it, we kind of know this, right? That service animals go through a certain amount of training. Mm -hmm. Alice wouldn't be where she is. She wouldn't be able to do what she does for you and with you while she's at the park without this training. So how much training does a service animal like Alice get i know that she's yeah. one example but in this example what has alice gone through in order for you to be able to take her so it's usually considered about a year and a half to two years is how long it takes for a service and be fully trained um and then even after they're fully trained about the one and a half year two year mark they still go through training just um to keep up their skills as well as to learn new things um but it takes a lot of time and it's two-part training so the first part is public access of how do you behave when you go into target if there's drop food on the ground you have to ignore it and um how do you do in those busy situations and how do you heal in a proper position so that's one part of it and that's a massive part of service dog training and the second part is the task training part of it which also takes a lot of time too. You know, Alice knows how to open and close doors, pick up items. She helps with laundry, a long list of tasks. Um, and some tasks build off of each other, some don't. Um, but it takes a lot of repetition for a dog to be able to learn it and then perform it and perform it consistently is the big thing. Yeah. So how can a dog perform, you know, something as simple as picking up a water bottle at home where there's no additional stimuli to doing it in Disney when fireworks are going off? Mm. And the dog needs to be able to perform it in both situations. And that's the toughest part of task training is the consistency part of it. Yeah. But yeah, it's about a year and a half to two years of training that service dogs receive. Um, that's when you, you'll know whether or not a dog, hopefully before then, maybe at that mark of whether or not they're cut out to be a service dog. Um, and it's even things too of just ignoring people when you walk by. Disney's a very crowded space. The dog shouldn't be sniffing everyone it sees as well as ignoring other service dogs in the park. Um, so even things like the ducks and the squirrels, and you know, once in a while you see a feral cat, of how do they yeah. ignore those and not see it as, uh, oh, let's go play. Because when Alice isn't working, she'd love to meet every squirrel there is, but she can't at Disney, you know? Yeah. There are many reasons I know that our dog could never be a service animal. It's too late for her now anyway. But um, we did like a, you know, a doggy training class yeah. that you know, they do at, at you know, wherever. But it was when we first got her, and one of the one of the tests to see how um, disciplined she could be was we had to like try to hold her attention while someone in the class 
uh, dragged like a duck on wheels, you know, to yeah. see if, if Reba would stay focused on us yeah. or would immediately try to go after that. There wasn't one single second she was paying attention to us. The entire time she was like, where's that duck? <laughs> so there's yeah. just, there's no way. There's no way. So it's a reminder, though, to, to us, to all of us, that when we're in the parks or anywhere, but in particular here, we're kind of, you know, focusing on, on Disney Park experiences, that when you're around a service dog, you got to remind yourself that they are, there, they are there to work. They're trained, right? Just like, you know, humans are trained to do certain things. you got to let, let them do their job. We, we don't want to distract. They're there to serve a specific purpose. Um, overall, mm-hmm. what would you say is your most favorite thing about going to the parks with Alice? You know, I think something that's really cool and unique about Disney that you don't experience at all other theme parks is how um, the ability for you to do as much as you would independently as you would with Alice, if that makes sense. The number of rides that Alice can go on um, is much higher. You know, I was just at Busch Gardens a couple weeks ago, and service animals can't really go on anything. Um, As well as, you know, if they can't go on anything, what does that process look like? And Disney makes that part of it very, very easy and accessible for service animal handlers. Um, so that part of it is also very rewarding if you don't feel like you, you have to be separated the entire time and you, you can live your life like you would um, at any other place, which is fantastic. And you also feel, too, that it's a fairly welcoming environment and Disney's very supportive. And I, and I think they do a very great job of how do cast members interact with service animals and how do you go through that process with attractions. Um, So, you know, of course, that's one great part of it. Um, I think, too, of just, you know, what Alice is also able to do for me in Disney of uh, going to Disney on my own and doing rides compared to previously when I go by myself about, you know, fainting episodes and whatever that would look like. I think it's also exciting to see that the independence level people also have by being able to have their service animal with them and have it be a very easy and fluid process for them when they do go. We've brought our dog to some resorts. There are some pet-friendly resorts. So obviously we're not talking about um, their level of pet-friendly in terms of service animal, but just for a regular old pet, you know. So uh, we brought Reba to, where have we brought her? We brought her to Art of Animation because oh, yeah. there's, uh, there's pet-friendly rooms there. Yeah. And then Fort Wilderness. Yes. The cabins at Fort Wilderness are, by and large, our dog's favorite place to be oh, cool. anywhere, right? Yeah. Loves it. So have you been able to take... Uh, Alice, to any of the resorts, do you get the impression that she has an interest in any of them where she gets to run around and be a dog at all? So Alice has been to every resort on the monorail line um, that has monorail access. She's been to a few others. Um, The only on on property hotel that I've stayed at with Alice is the Dolphin. Um, okay. I stayed there with a friend for a birthday, and that was a great experience. You know, I, I think for Alice, you know, I don't know if she realizes part of Disney. I'm going to guess she doesn't think it's part of Disney. I think she probably just thinks it's like a normal part of her routine. Whereas, you know, Disney is so unique in so many factors. Um, But I do think it's interesting too of Alice has, I think, some association with certain places. Part of that might just be the scents. Um, but I know, like, the Riviera is one of my favorite places to get off and walk around. It's yeah. also great, too, if you think about it, when you're having these long days of there's um, huge grassy areas between the Skyliner and the resort. So you can also yes. take a moment away from everyone for Alice to take off her vest, you know, scratch her back, lay out in the grass for a moment. Um, all while under control and everything, but just for her to have a moment before, you know, you continue on the long day. Um, but I think for her, she probably sees the resorts most like, I guess, other hotels rather than Disney. Um, but it is exciting, you know, always bringing her somewhere new. And there's always a great photo opportunity, too, at many of these resorts as well. Yeah, that's true. And she has great taste if she likes the Riviera because it's a beautiful it's a beautiful resort. Yeah, that's probably her favorite. I would say the Grand Floridian is probably my favorite. Ooh. Okay. Um. So, yeah. All right. 
So outside of things you get to do with Alice, what would you say your favorite attraction is and your favorite meal at Disney? Oh, okay. So by far my favorite attraction is Flight of Passage. That one's very easy oh. for me to answer. Um, huge okay. fan of that one. Um, yeah, and I, and I think at, at Magic Kingdom and the other parks, it kind of revolves a little bit as far as what's my favorite. Um, I just I love Flight of Passage. I, I just okay. think it's a great ride. It's my favorite. Um, by far, you know, for Alice, that's literally just walking through um, the queue and then going into a crate. So it looks very different for her as well. Yeah. <laughs> as far as my favorite meal at Disney, ooh, that's a tough one. Um, so I have a gluten allergy as well. So that makes it oh, a little okay. difficult as well going through the park. Um, for the most part, it's very easy to find things. Um, I know the Thule Canteen is probably my yeah. favorite place to eat. Ooh, yeah. I don't know why, but it's probably also right next to Fly the Passage. That might have something yeah. to do with it. Yeah, it revolves a little bit. Um, and I know some places too are easier for me to eat at than others. Okay. Um, and I think as far as like the experience goes of eating somewhere, I think Be Our Guest is probably my favorite from an experience perspective. Oh, interesting. Uh, maybe not my favorite for food, but you know, okay. unlike anything else, eating like in eating inside Be Our Guest. Yeah, that's good to know. So listeners of this podcast know that I've mentioned it before. My wife, Nicole, has a gluten allergy oh, as yeah. well. So we've, we've come pretty well versed in where to go to get some good gluten-free mm-hmm. food. And she also, and myself included, love Satouli Canteen. Yes. And um, we've, we've done a good job, I think, of narrowing down the restaurants that are really good. I mean, by mm-hmm. the way, every Disney restaurant is going to be good. The chef will come out if you ask them to yes. to uh, help customize a dish. And as long as they can make it, they're likely to make it for you. Mm-hmm. But there are some there are some really good gluten free dishes out there. So if you ever needed any advice, let me know. I feel like I feel like I know my way. I know my way around the gluten free uh, meals of Disney World. Well, thanks for chatting today and talking all things service animal at at Disney. I hope that everyone listening to this got some perspective on what it's like. And if nothing else, a reminder to let the service animals do their job. They're there for a reason. As cute as Alice may be with her little Mickey ears on, and she's sitting there posing for a photo in front of Spaceship Earth. We got to do what we need to do. What's right and what's right is to let let our service animals like Alice do their thing because they're there to perform a really a really important function. And, you know, sometimes lives are, are depending on those functions, right? So we kind of have to keep that in mind as much as, as that's a, a deep thing we're not thinking about on vacation. Yep. That's just, that's just the real reality there. So if you want to find more information, if you want to keep track of Alice, you can do so. And the Instagram account is Alice Explores Wonderland. And there are dots in between each word. And I'll put a link to your Instagram, too, in our episode description so everyone can find it easily. Seriously, thanks for hanging out and for chatting with me today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. A great conversation. I'm so sorry you weren't there, Beth, but I hopefully hopefully we all learned something. Yeah. I, know I did talking with her. Cool. It just made me want to go like hang out with i don't that's the thing we're not supposed to hang out with i know that's why it's so right? hard but that's all you want to do i know it's pr- i uh, probably it's probably good that I wasn't on the interview because i'd be like well where is she is she in the camera like, i need to talk to her um yes. she'd be like it's a dog she can't talk back to you but whatever yes before we hop into some news nuggets quick shout out to stephanie over at world traveler trading co uh still out there killing it with her disney inspired key mm-hmm. fobs dog collars ear holders little lip balm holders all kinds of things lip balm. you can head over to her shop with the link in the show notes of this episode and of course you can save some money by using our special discount code that park life uh, 
Um, I just got some small news nugs today. One I we already talked about. Um, did we talk about it on this other patch chat? <laughs> yeah, remember. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy will be open in 2022. They have um, said that. I was like, at least we have a year that we know it's going to be open. Yes. Um, we got we, something. Yeah, we don't have like any specific month or season even, but we know it's going to be in 2022. From the looks of what they showed on that special, they're not really super close to it. So I'm I'm going to say probably summer or later. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I'm happy that it's at least in, in motion. Mm-hmm. We have a general concept. They did say it would be part of the 50th, but the 50th is going on for 18 months, which includes the entire yeah. calendar year of 2022. Mm-hmm. So they never, didn't really narrow it down at all, but we're getting it. It's coming yeah. sometime next year. And we still have nothing on Tron, right? They haven't announced anything on Tron. Uh, correct. Which yes. you would think that Tron would come out first because I'm like, how do they know? Like, what are they doing? I feel like they've got to be know. close. It looks like <laughs> it's pretty much done. Anyways. Moving on. What else? What did you got? Moving on. I have one little nugget that's okay. going to be a big nugget yes. one day. It's growing. Mm-hmm. This is They planted the seed of a nugget mm-hmm. here because Disney announced that the Magic Band Plus will be coming out <gasps> starting in 2022. And I'm looking forward to more information about yeah. this because it's obviously Magic Band-esque, right? So it's still mm-hmm. going around your wrist. And it looks like there's kind of a screen or like... Maybe not a screen, but like something on the Magic Band because it, mm-hmm. it can light up and stuff. And it seems like yeah. even the where like the Mickey is now in the Magic Band, it looks like it can change its display a little bit. Kind of maybe like more like a more uh, traditional watch versus a smartwatch. Yeah, it'll be but, interesting. I'm curious to see yeah. one how much it's going to be. Two, it does look like it's really cool because it lights up and it does all these. It could have basically it's going to be like your catch all of everything that you're going to need for the yeah. parks. Um, I mean, you can do a lot of stuff I'm, with magic bands now, but this one's, I don't I know. It looks wondering. really cool. It vibrates. They said it vibrates, yeah. but it'll like interact. It's one of those interactive things. So if you ever, if you've ever gone to a concert and they give you the bracelets and then like everyone's yes. lights up at the same time, it's that's sort of the technology. So um, if you're like in harmonious and you have one of these on, chances are your band will be part of what's going on with like the harmonious show and stuff like that. I hope that they continue to progress this technologies to make it so that you can download an app for your smartwatch, pay for it. I'm, I'm, I know that it's going to be a, a premium, but pay for an app um, for your smartwatch. So it could also do it. You don't have to buy yeah. a separate thing because I'm one of those. I'm one of those people now that I wear a smartwatch. Okay, I, I started this new job and I'm like, I want to wear a smartwatch now because I actually check my emails on my thing. But um, I don't like I'm not going to wear something on each wrist now. So I feel like I'm probably not going to be wearing a whole lot of magic bands anymore. Right. But um, considering how much more smartwatches can do versus a, a Disney magic band plus, I'm curious to see if there's an opportunity for that down the road because Apple watch users can use their watch to get into the park. Yeah. Right. So like yeah. I happen to have a, a Samsung one, but mm-hmm. so if they can get that far, I'm wondering if they can continue that and make it a, do you remember the glow with the show? That's kind of like where that started. Yeah. They had the ears that did that. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's like for the Phantasmic same, same and other technology. Things. Same, same kind of thing. It interacts with it. Yeah. So looking forward to see exactly what this can do because it is cool to go to a concert and see everyone's wristband light up at the same time. So I'm curious to see how they plus that with this. Yes. Uh, my last little nugget here was about the Hey Disney um, that they also talked about on the special we were talking about on YouTube, on the YouTube page for the Disney Parks blog. Um, so Hey Disney is basically like Disney Alexa. They're going to have these in Disney resorts. They will be kind of themed, it sounds like. There's going to be like, you could basically ask it to tell a Disney joke and it will tell you a joke. Um, so this is like a big feature that they're going to have in the resorts. One of the things I love that they were like, you could basically be like, Hey Alexa, 
when is the next Disney bus? Um, you know, when is the next bus for Epcot or whatever, whichever resort you're in? And it will tell you, which to me, I love because that's one thing that when we were staying on resort, Doug and I were constantly like, what time, when is it coming? What time is that? We need mm-hmm. to click on the resort TV. So it's <laughs> things like that. Um, you can also like connect with the front desk. So if you need more towels or something, you can use the Hey Disney to do that. Um, but it's also coming to your home. So it is something that you are going to be able to, um, purchase to use in your own home. So, I mean, there's not a ton of details yet. Um, even if you go on the Amazon site, they just kind of have like a, give us your email. We'll let you know when it's available, but it seems like it's gonna be pretty cool and it's shaped and has little Mickey ears on it and you can look it up. It's just called Hey Disney. Yeah. And in that video, I was like trying to look at the screen and there was a thing in there that said, like a sample command mm-hmm. and it said play soundscapes and i was like yes oh. so now normally i'm going on youtube to try to find background area right. music so i wonder if it's going to be built in and i could yeah. be like play a haunted mansion soundscape yes. or something and like that's cool that's something i'd be looking forward to That'd be so amazing so lots of cool new things coming lots of you know and i'm sure more of these little things are going to be dropping but yeah right. until then let's go back in time for some disney history of course in partnership in partnership, as always, with the mouselets, head over to their website. You can get their new line of bags. There's some awesome stuff they got going on over there. Their uh, their fiftieth their fiftieth outfits were quite adorable, and today they were sporting their brand new monorail bags. All right, what you got? All right, I'm taking us back to surprise, surprise, 1971. This week was when Peter Pan's flight opened at Walt Disney World. Um, it opened on the third day of business, so Peter Pan's flight was not open the day that the park opened. It opened three days later. Obviously, it's based on Peter Pan from 1953, and yeah, it opened this week. Peter was too busy on Never Never Land to come over and make sure his yeah. ride opened up. You know they were like in the back trying to finish it up. They're like, I don't care. There's people here. You have to finish this ride. <laughs> yes. Paint, paint, paint. Get it done. <laughs> Um, I'll take us to a little farther in the future there, but still in the past. 1992, when this week Disney World announced plans to build three resorts. Let's see if you can figure out which resorts these are based on the theme, okay? Okay. Disney announced they were going to build three resorts with a sports, music, and wilderness theme. Now, they didn't quite capture wilderness i think since they decided to go with movies, movies instead so all yes. star i'm gonna go with all yes. star whoops yes offer over 4500 rooms at the time that's what they announced and uh you know it's funny i, I don't think of the all-stars necessarily as new but i forget that they're actually like pretty old so to speak yeah right? they've been refurbished recently yeah uh two of them anyway they're still just good old brick buildings yes all right We're going to wrap it up here. Greg's going to close this out with a quote. But if you like what you heard today, feel free to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. Um, That would be very helpful for us. It just helps others be able to find our podcast um, easier and quicker because we know there's a lot of Disney podcasts. And we know that you could be listening to a lot of other Disney podcasts and you chose us. So we're thankful for that. Uh, You could also follow along with us on Instagram or TikTok, the good old Tic Tacs. We are cool enough to be on TikTok, and our handle over there and on Instagram is at That Park Life Podcast. Or you can follow us each personally. My personal Instagram is at The Real Beth McDonald. And I am at The Disney Greg. And as always, if you want to submit a request for an episode, share a magical cast member moment that we may share in the show, or give some Disney magic to some of your friends and loved ones, you can go over to That Park Life Podcast and submit a magic gram. It's free for everyone because we love sharing the magic. And now a quote. 
from Beauty and the Beast, one of the movies featured in Harmonious, uh, from our friend Lumiere, who once said, you don't have time to be timid, you must be bold and daring. You don't have time to be timid. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say it with an accent. Never, Greg. One of these days no. you're going to surprise me. One of these days. So with that, go into your week. Hopefully yes. you all have a good time. Thank you so much for spending some time with us, learning all about some service animals and Disney, and uh, allowing us to give our opinion on Harmonious and Enchantment. And I'm curious to hear how you all think about it. So feel free to reach out and weigh in on it, because I don't, I don't think we're alone in our opinions mm-hmm. on either of those two new shows. That's right. Have a great week. Right. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.